Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm a nutrition and exercise physiology professor and a former competitive bodybuilder. And this is Phil Stevens. I'm a strength coach. Um, RunLiftForHope.org, StrengthGuild.com. I'm also a Highland Games athlete and uh, all-around nice guy. World traveler as well. Yeah. Travel will take it out of you. I'll tell you. Oh, gosh. Last week was... It was tough. We, uh, I had to drive six hours to Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, and watch my stepson graduate boot camp for the Army. Yep. And then six hours back, got three hours of sleep, and drove and jumped on a three flights, <sighs> and then, then, then two and a half days in San Francisco and three flights back. Oh, oh I know. I've never been tighter. <laughs> I've had I cut something out of the summer because I'm going to be so bad coming up here in late summer, early fall. I'm just like, no, you know, I no, I can't, this can't, got to drop this one. Yeah. But it's good though. I mean, it, I think it actually did me some good. I, I planned on lifting when I was up the seminar and I just took the day off the week, the weekend off. So I almost had a full week off and I actually came back and, you know, things are feeling good. So I think it's a good idea. Rob has talked about that in the past where you can take, yeah. well, hell, if you're an experienced athlete, you could probably take damn near a month off. Yeah. And just come back and just be fantastic. You know, yeah. feel really good about it. Which was, yeah, that was good. And I got some tissue work done up there by the oh. guy and the guy that owns the, the facility I was at. Jealous. Working jealous. And, oh, I was amazed. My hips, the flight's back, and I rode him after I got back. I haven't traveled in that little of discomfort in a long time. It was like, this is awesome. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, you know, that's funny you say that because when I drive, you know, that whole, like, hamstring origin or whatever my problem is <laughs> behind my left butt cheek, man, mm-hmm. when I when I sit in a plane or a car, that's where it's just screaming. See, and mine's about in the same area as yours, I think. It's like that tie-in for the gluten and hamstring. Yeah, I think there's just scar tissue there at this point. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, I don't know. So I'll tell you what we're going to do, everybody. We're going to um, just talk training a little bit. Um go to break, and then we come back. We have so much uh, news and mostly listener mail and commentary that we'll do that for our topic after the break. So let's talk training. So you said you took almost a whole week off. Yeah, and came back this week, and things are going good again. Um, we had a hard training session today. Um, what did I do? I went to sumo deadlifts, which I haven't done in – I haven't pulled anything over like 315 in a sumo deadlift in probably five years. Oh, wow. Okay. And today went for a max triple. And uh, what'd you manage? In a solid six twenty-five for a triple. Really? Okay. In a move I haven't done in a long time. And then I did some deficits after that. At, uh, uh, so standing on a two and a half inch deficit, standing on forty-five pound bumpers, and did five sets of three at five fifteen. So yeah, it was a good good start. And then we went out and did some event work because we're getting ready for uh, the strength field games. And uh, so did a bunch of yoke carries and. Uh, I was messing around with the caber and farmer's walks and weight over bar. So it was fun. We got out in the sun, and people were driving past, and they thought we were having an event itself. That's fun. I love farmer's walks. 
Yeah. Yeah. So. I, my grip is not as good as it should be, but I was really wishing I could do that today. I was I was training back in the gym, and I'm like, you know, there's really nowhere good inside here where I can just walk up and down with some heavy, even just heavy dumbbells in my hands, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, in fact, one of the things that I've noticed getting back to it, like a bodybuilding split, I mentioned it on our Facebook page, but is I'm really enjoying sort of the the theme. You know, when I was doing the whole body stuff, and I don't know if it's harder for powerlifters to relate to this or not, but when I just go in for general performance or conditioning, it's sort of boring in a way. I don't yeah. have that theme, you know, like chest, and you just get into this mindset, or like squat day is a very special, separate kind of thing. Yeah. It's a feeling. It's an emotion of its own, you know, and... um it, or like the mind and the muscle thing when I was training back today. You know, it's something that I've, I've sort of realized over the past couple of years is your back is basically your upper back is traps and your mid to lower back is, is lat. And I've always over-focused on lats, you know, and I have my lats are kind of thick, but my upper back and traps, you know, it's fun to actually feel those. And stuff like rack pulls and, and just shrugs, they feel yeah. really good because I'm, I'm – that's a big meaty muscle group that I think I've just neglected, sort of. You know. Yeah. No, and I think I do. You know, uh, there's. I know what you're saying, but we, you know, we just separate it a little different. We we do moves instead of muscles. But I definitely am more the the, the powerlifter type that takes this is squat day. Yeah. Uh, and instead of just full body stuff. So I mean, my goal today is just trash the squat. A bit, right. you know. I'm going to work hard at that move, and then sure, I have some filler and stuff after. But you know what but, I mean? Uh, like if somebody said. Nope, Phil. I know you think it's deadlift day, but you're gonna bench instead. It no. would send you for a loop. You'd be like, "No, wait, no. that's not right. That doesn't feel right. That's not <laughs> the mood I'm in." You know? Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, I got to be prepared for that day. You know, like that today it was deadlift day. So what do we do? I, you know, we deadlifted, and then we deadlift some more, and then we did yokes. You know, stuff like that, which really relates back towards it. You know, it's still a very, you know, hip centric move. You're loading the spine and stuff. I think Tom Platts might have coined the term "mind in the muscle." But I think a powerlifter could it would just be similar mind in the movement, you know. Yeah, sort of for sure. But you know, it gets you something to gear up towards for the training too. I mean, I look forward to like my Saturday deadlift days come Thursday. You know, it's like hey, you know, I got to start getting ready for this. Right. Well, I'll tell you one thing I've noticed too is my favorite split. I don't know if I've ever mentioned this before, but I like and this sounds gratuitous, but there's method to it. But I like to do it a day for chest and arms. Well, that's obviously just fun, you know. Um, and then I'll do a day for back and shoulders, and then I'll do a leg day. Uh, and the reason I do that is because when I when I set it up across the course of a week, if you think about it, you're getting direct stimulation, let's say, of your biceps and triceps on the chest and arm day. But then when you're doing back or shoulders, you're getting sort of secondary stimulation, you know, of yeah. your arms. So you almost get a major heavier day and then like a secondary day on the you know, might call them accessory muscles. Um, yeah. And then I'll I'll do a heavy day, and then I've noticed I can't just go heavy, heavy, heavy. Uh, this last week I got excited, and I just basically did, you know, sets of like five to seven with everything, and um, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to do that week in and week out, I don't think. Uh, so especially because I'm, I'm going to try to go more frequent, um, but rotate, because one of the things I noticed with the whole body, almost Waterbury-esque kind of thing, was that... Sometimes, like if my legs got rocked, mm-hmm. I just wasn't ready again, you know. Yeah. Um, the, and I know he's like, oh, just, you know, work your way through it. Sure, you're sore. Just sort of ignore it. And 
No, I, I can't. You know, I'm when you're that rocked. Yeah. You just can't get your mind into it. I mean, now don't get me wrong. Uh-huh. With because the back is so complex, sometimes your lats are sore, but not your traps. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Then you could focus on upper back, uh, and even with legs, I guess. Like if your hamstrings and your butt's really sore from deep squatting, maybe you do hacks, you know, or focus on leg press with your feet narrow and down on the platform or, you know, kind of bring your quads or high bar squats. I don't know. But there's only so much you can do with that. And at least this way, I'm rotating. So, you know, it's it's probably a muscle group, what, once a week, maybe twice a week on on occasion, you know. Yeah. And well, and the other thing, I mean, the legs are so big and complex. It's it's real hard to do a move that is just quads, you know, yeah. unless it's a leg extension. You know, if you're doing anything with any kind of hip bend, it's hard to, you know, you you really can't make a squat that's full on quad. Yeah, you know, there's got to be hamstring involvement, and hip involvement, and everything. You know else, what? In but. fact, I saw that uh, Dave Tate mentioned something in a T Nation article this past week, and uh, now I know he knows better, but there was a comment about that he made about how the bodybuilder squats are more narrow uh, stance and, you know, a little higher bar, a little bit more quad-centric. But I would argue that's a stereotype. I'm not, and again, I know he knows that, but most bodybuilders, I would argue, are probably doing fairly lower bar, a little bit more posterior chain focus kinds of squats when they're trying to lift a lot of weight, you know. As opposed to, you know, this notion that the bar's wet by your neck and you're almost driving your knees out over your toes kind of thing, you know, yes. which, which I don't think is a bodybuilding squat. Not if you want to have big legs. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I get the idea, and, you know, focus on yeah. muscles. But. <clears throat> sure. Uh, yeah, so I've been super, super sore. And I actually like that. Mike Nelson is always laughing about how I'm a tissue assassin because I brought that yeah. up years ago. But it just feels good. And it's it's funny, too, because I actually feel bigger. I think when you when you spend eight, ten sets on something or maybe half a dozen sets specifically on uh, your arms, like biceps or triceps or whatever, I yeah. think you kind of drain the glycogen and it comes back more. You know, you're fuller all the time. And I just felt I felt a little bit too much like a cross trainer with the whole body high frequency stuff yeah that's one thing i need to get into more i've never got into like if, if i have something that's lagging on me it's biceps i've just never got into it yeah i mean i've got i've got great tricep development from all the pressing of course and i'll find myself automatically doing you know i'll go do some freaking you know, tricep extensions and stuff like that but i it feeds straight into what i do and I've just never, it's like I get to the end of the session, you know, after I'm done pressing and benching and deadlifting and squatting, it's like, I, God, do I really want to do some curls? And I need to. I need to force myself to because I'd probably find benefit out of it. But yeah. No, I, I know what you mean. They're not exactly prime movers in anything you do. Yeah, and it's real hard for me to get excited about. Uh, because, I mean, honestly, I mean, sure, there's there's parts of me that are, I don't, I want to look good, too. But I, the, I will never be balanced. You know? <laughs> right. I'm so freaking weird that I just won't be. But uh, you know, it's it's one of those moves. That I, I it's hard for me to get excited over. But I need to I need to force myself. Okay, you're going to do four sets of these every Wednesday or something. Right. Well, by putting them on a chest and arms day, it's fun for me because I can just get a big pump all over. You know. Yeah. And, it, it, and again, it seems gratuitous, but it, again, 
it's direct stimulation, then later in the week I'm going to get secondary stimulation on some of those muscles. So there is a plan, maybe an excuse, I don't know, but, you know, there is a plan to it. And I know what you're saying, too. When does a power lifter do that? Um, and, no, I mean, I have it on my bucket list, too. It's been so long. You know, I started out training more towards aesthetics, but I quickly moved into performance stuff. And, you know, it's on my bucket list when I'm done competing here. I want to take some time and just purely change the training more like yours. Man, this guy is getting ripped, and he's huge. Where I'm going to start just thinking about the tissue and annihilating it and forget about the load on the I marshal. think that's almost a trend. I've <laughs> seen um, Tate do it. Was it, is yeah. it Jason? No. Who did it? Who else did it? Um, oh, several people have done like it. Power um, guys, power lifters yeah. that have gone physique, yeah. sort of. Yeah. Several guys have, and uh, it works out well. I mean, when you take the strength that they've built and start using that and thinking about the tissue, that you usually get get pretty big pretty quick. You know? Well, I've always I've always thought there was two main pathways towards size. You know, one is focus on the tissue, and the other is just focus on strength, and the size follows. You know exactly. And now, I mean, you take one of those guys that focused on the strength, and now they're able to like they're able to use loads like a four hundred five squat to start. While focusing on tissue, yeah, you know, they're gonna blow up pretty quick, and and you're like three fifteen benches doing going slow and thinking about trashing things compared to somebody that's beginning out that way using one thirty five. Yes, that that, that 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 potential for growth is pretty big. Getting ripped, and he's huge. So, yeah, there's no doubt, and I think it's a mistake a lot of young bodybuilders make is they they go too much for you know they go mind in the muscle like I'm sort of yeah. preaching, but. You know, when you've got a 25-pound dumbbell in your hand, I'm not sure, yeah. you know. Exactly. And it's, no, I, because I, there's, there are parts of me that love just leaving a squat day and knowing walking's not going to be fun tomorrow. Yeah. I, really, <laughs> I, I can't get my head out of that. I've been, doing, yeah. I've been doing body part splits and looking for muscle soreness for ages. I even did a research yeah. uh, paper once I presented at the Ohio Academy of Science with a student specifically showing that soreness doesn't correlate very well with certain other markers of recovery, and yet I can't let go of it. You know, it feels fun. You know, somehow it feels satisfying that you've, you've trashed that body part, yeah. you know, and it's going to come back bigger anyway. Yeah. Speaking of that recovery part, something kind of on topic, one of the, uh, the listeners that's not too far from here, uh, Gregor, went down and he got some tests done, blood tests, and they came back and his doctor was like, oh, my God, you're you, – you must have trashed something. Uh, his creatine kinase levels were, were high, were elevated. Yeah. Um, and, of course, it was like a day or two after a hard training session. And so his doctor you're dying. This and I was like, just back off. You know, I said, have your doctor test you again after like five days That's off. That's right. Yeah. You know, you know we're, we're hardworking people. And all those tests are, you know, their baseline is off the couch. And it will still be elevated two days later. I would agree with you, like five days. Just let it come back to normal. Creatine kinase. ALT, AST, um, it, because what their doctors usually aren't doing is looking for specific isoforms, versions of these enzymes that just come from your heart or your liver and not from skeletal muscle. But they're not going to dig that deep with some expensive yeah. test. They're just going to do a, a basic serum profile. I've even heard of guys being rejected from donating blood at the Red Cross because yeah. they were afraid they had a bad liver, maybe a virus, who knows. I don't know how much they do that now because they can look for the viruses so much better. But, yeah, just don't put yourself in that situation, I think. Give yourself a rest. In fact, I had a friend um, who was a martial artist, and he came back after years of not training, did like a crazy three-hour session. And 
he his creatine kinase levels got so high, muscle damage was so severe, he actually had rhabdo. Yeah. And you know now, and of course that's serious business. You can go into acute yes. renal failure. You know. Yeah. But uh, and that's another thing. Reason I like whole body or not whole body um body part specific because the chance of any of that kind of thing happening. I mean, you can ruin your chest and arms, but your legs are fine. You know, you're not going to dump so much. You're not going to break yeah. down so much that you're actually in clinical risk. You yeah. Know. But. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, in short, my training itself is going. This week's been good. You know, my squat day, my squats felt great. My deadlift day today, my bench was, eh. You know, it didn't feel 100%, but it felt good. I hit my numbers. Yeah. So you can't ask for everything. <laughs> Not all weeks going to be a perfect week. So. Uh, you know, one thing. That's good to get on and do events too. So. Well, I was just going to say one thing before we go to break is when you were talking about deadlifting uh, when we were out there at, at, at the Strength Guild thing in the spring about how not everybody likes what you do, which is sort of almost focus on leaning back almost at an angle with the pull. Mm -hmm. When I was doing rows, I was sort of fooling around with that, and I can't tell you how much better that feels uh, just to have that sort of mental idea that it's coming sort of back at a slight angle. Yeah. You know, and so, I mean, I guess I'm just saying it translates into bodybuilding movements, too. It just yeah. feels better. Somehow the the tension feels like it's more on the muscle instead of some kind of awkward heat. On the skeleton off, or something. You know. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, I agree. And, I mean, I actually think it's a I, – I wouldn't teach it that way if I didn't think it was a, you know, more efficient, probably more natural way that we should be moving. Well, if you've got a big horse's <laughs> ass, you know, all that weight's <clears throat> leaning back anyway. Yeah. You know. So, so. Okay. Let's go ahead. We'll take a quick break. We have a ton of news and uh, reader uh, input, reader mail, and we'll be right back. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, you can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, it's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So... Uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website, and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media, and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. Hi, this is Dr. Lowry with an update on the protein book that you hear about in the ad at the end of the show. Uh, if you simply Google CRC Press in protein, uh, there's a new development. On the right side of the page, you can see ebook, and there's a purchase slash rent option. And the cool thing here is if you check that out now, because they have an agreement with Vital Book, uh, you can actually download the ebook for 69 US dollars. So that's 31% off the 99.95 uh, cover price. So that's pretty fantastic. $69, I think that's gonna 
drop it into the affordable range for a lot of people, and you can even rent it. Uh, lower down the page, they have 180-day rentals and one-year rentals, so you can access the book in electronic format and get some of this juicy information. So, thanks. Fix of Iron Radio. In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once per week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. All right, it's Bill and Lonnie, and we're back with some news and reader mail. Uh, we have a lot of it this week. Strength and Muscle Sport News. Um, one bit of news I think we should point out is Phil is talking with Fred Hatfield about being on next week. So if you're interested in Dr. Squat, uh, tune in. So, yeah, he's giving me the 100% okay. It's just up to me to remind him. Uh, in the middle of the week this week, just just give him a, hey, yeah, we're still on type of thing, and then it'll be a fun show. Absolutely. Anybody on the Facebook page, if you want, give us some questions if you want for uh, for Dr. Squat. I think we'll yeah. probably talk about the squat being the king of exercises, but who knows? You know, send us some ideas. And, you know, this, I mean, because he, he's what I would consider a superstar guest. If you're not familiar with Fred Hatfield, go get familiar. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but that's going to be awesome. <clears throat> um, I only have one bit of science here. This is probably what falls into the obvious category, at least for us. Uh, and I probably shouldn't read this to Phil because, you know, I know you don't like the obvious science. Yeah. This is called um, psychosocial impact of adolescent gynecomastia. So they're looking at, well, you know, for lack of a better term, bitch tits in teenagers. Says so the purpose was to determine the physical and uh, psychosocial impact of gyno. They took um, healthy males, 12 to 21 years old, 47 patients with gyno and 92 control subjects. And what they were doing is looking at how much it bothered them, I think. And basically it says, um, first of all, patients with gynecomastia had a significantly higher body mass index. And that makes me wonder, are they just higher testosterone? You know, the, the same no. hormone that's creating the breast tissue is also making them bigger. Or it could be that they have more body fat. I don't know if listeners realize, but peripheral body fat is where your body turns testosterone into estrogen. That's where aromatization takes place. So it makes me think maybe they were just had more body fat. Um, it says, conclusions, gyno has a significant negative impact on primarily the psychosocial well-being of affected adolescents, specifically in regard to social function, mental health, and self-esteem. Uh, the only bit of information here that I think probably isn't obvious to somebody who's a weightlifter or a bodybuilder and they're used to people talking about gyno is they said the impact wasn't affected by the severity of the disease. And that almost seems odd to me because if I had BTs to the extent that they were hanging and I needed a bra, <laughs> yeah. that would affect me worse, I think. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, if you had a little lump, it'd be like, ah, eh, you know, but if you, you know, had a D cup. <laughs> right. You know, I think we got problems. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. So anyway, it, like I said, maybe obvious to us uh, in most of this, but um, at least uh, you know, like I said, they got to record it, get it in print. Um, that, well, and you know, 
we're, you're seeing it more and more in adolescence, sadly. Um, yeah, there's there's little doubt, I think, that testosterone levels are falling, estrogen levels are climbing uh, yeah. in males of all ages, probably. Yeah. You know, not good. Uh, this is, a, this was, by the way, this was from uh, Nuzzy and colleagues. This was a study done at a plastic surgery clinic in Boston. But anyway, um, moving on, I wanted to cover my own butt. Uh, last week, I erroneously mentioned that when you give low doses of protein, you need about five grams of leucine. Well, I should have given that some thought. I, there's a couple of reasons I thought that, because obviously, if you think about it, there's only about two to two and a half grams of leucine in a whole scoop of whey. So uh, obviously, if you're going to consume suboptimal amounts of protein, you know, about two grams should do it. Um, but there's something that I do want to point out is a couple things. One, that critical leucine dose, if you're eating a, a low uh, protein amount, if you're a big dude, I've got to think you need a little bit more leucine than that. I mean, if just take it to its conclusion, like a 250-pound man probably needs another half a gram or gram of leucine than a 100-pound woman. I don't know. I would think. The other thing is age. Uh, if you're older, there is some good data that you probably need a higher dose of whey to get the same anabolic response. And that might be true. And lastly, I think one of the things that threw me off is I've been using leucine peptides, not straight leucine. So I've been taking a five-gram scoop of leucine peptides, but that's a mix of some other amino acids hooked together with the leucine, and it only provides about two grams of leucine. So anyway, just to set the record straight with audio here, I did fix it in our show notes last time, but, you know, about two to two and a half grams of leucine uh, and somebody on our Facebook page, I don't remember who I apologize, but they actually asked, well, when would you boost something with leucine? Would I put this in a big 25 gram scoop of whey? No, probably not. I mean, that's probably an optimal dose. But if you're going to eat less yeah. protein, then you might want to throw in, you know, two, two and a half grams of leucine, you know. Um, what else do I have here? Oh, our, our contests. Um, We've had a couple of things that were protracted. I asked Rob to pick um, a couple of winners in each category. Uh, one contest we had going, if you remember, we started all the way back in January or February, which was, um, you know, the road to 200, essentially. Get over 200 pounds or gain 20. And we had some people taking pictures of the scale and everything. I loved it. That was great. I told Rob, randomly pick from those guys. And then we had a ton of pictures about the outdoor training thing uh, oh good i got a couple people I think if you're interested here I, essentially i'll probably have rob randomly pick from uh, i'll just use first names jason nick ken um k or Kristen. um actually that's gonna go out probably that one was really good um that was probably my I'm guessing it's my client. Yes, I think so. <laughs> With the tractor tire. It was a great picture. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's yeah. what the outdoor thing is all about. And then yeah. Stuart. Yeah, she's one of my lifters. So Yeah, there's like a there's a, there's like half a dozen people here at least. So um Look for an announcement very soon. One of the weight gain uh, guys that I, I was impressed with was uh Gareth from Ireland. So when it's abroad we're not going to send you the same gifts. Usually what I do is send a mug because I, uh, just, I'm used to using Zazzle and they have a UK counterpart and this and that other countries, Australia counterpart, and I can get you stuff without international shipping, you know? So 
uh, if you're abroad, it's probably going to be a coffee mug as opposed to some of the the creatine or other supplements that I might send locally. So, okay, what else here? This one's for you, Phil. Um, I his name is also Phil, and he said he just wanted to make some comments. Um, offer a counter argument to a point that you made about young people and the pampering or the inclusion trophies. Uh, he said, I work with uh, very young children, but I previously worked with all age groups, including some very damaged teenagers in specialist behavior units. Here are a couple of bulleted points. And I thought these were professionally done. He's just got a counterpoint. Um, everyone who works with children makes a special effort to protect their self-respect, self-esteem, or whatever you call it, because they think it's necessary. The old ways produce tough adults, but also people who became accustomed to losing and give up trying. Uh, another point here is people look back at their childhood with rose-tinted spectacles, and the hard parts can get forgotten or laughed off. Um, but young people are forever doing new and difficult things. And I think the point he's making in some of these uh, bullets is, for example, children, they need adults to organize their lives you know, so they don't meet with as much failure. But just the nature of being a child, they're going to bump into failure more than an adult because adults can sort of set up things to avoid failure, and kids often get thrust into situations where they're just confronted with it. And I think that's yeah. probably a fair point. You know, if no, I think it is too. You know, um, and I, you know, I, I agree. But I mean, I, the only thing I was arguing is, and yeah, you've got to help kids succeed. And I, you know, I, I set up my, even my young lifters in situations where they're most likely going to succeed. <clears throat> you know, right. I, don't, I don't set them up for failure. But we've also brought it to the point where, you know, we've got people that are afraid to let their kid learn to ride a bike because they'll fall down. They've got to learn to fall down and get back up. You know, um, it, that's my, my argument was things have gone a bit too far. And, yeah, I, and I agree, if he's working with special populations, you know, Somebody that's got previous damage, be it psychological or anything else, it's different, you know, uh, than than somebody who's the the, the regular person. It's that's a good point, uh, right? Because they would be a vulnerable population, even yeah, more than a, a regular child is. Yeah. Yes, it's it's more so than a regular child. Uh, you got to take special populations as a special population. Um, yeah. And then, you know, I can see cases for that, and we're trying to boost them back up. Somebody's torn them down. And I can also see that, you know, when he, he made a comment that when one person is singled out as the winner, everybody else shrinks a little. And I think that's where it's all in how you kind of go about it. I mean, I don't have a problem personally with participation medals or something. It's just not the same as the trophy. You know, I mean, exactly. you still need to give somebody a pat on the back. Wow, that was the best score that was the best exact performance you know, you did and it doesn't mean as long as you're very encouraging with everybody else you did fantastic you know yes. there are some numbers that you can you know you can shoot for and it doesn't have to be oh. i know because i know what you're saying phil it, it is true that if we're not very careful whether it's inclusion i mean if the inclusion trophy is the same for everybody yep. that would make the winner shrink a little if he got nothing so, no well, other pat on right? the back of any kind and that's been shown time and time again. You know, there was that study that the professor did with grades in his class. Uh, they were all based off of, you know, everybody got the average. Yeah. And, you know, what it showed across was no matter how hard you tried, we all scored the same. All the grades plummeted because the people that were trying hard, just they were like, screw it. Why try so freaking Well, you hard? remove their incentives. You know? 
you remove any incentive to try hard. Yeah, if everybody gets the same thing. So I think it's uh, a balance, you know, and I think the other yeah. bill is going to recognize that too. It's and that's yeah. why I think you need um, experienced coaches that have the background or the education to go about this right. You know? Oh yeah, no, I agree, and I wasn't trying to. I'm not the super hard ass that like somebody comes in and hits PR and it's only two twenty five. You know, and it's like, oh, yeah, good job, but that sucks still because you're weak. No, I congratulate, <laughs> you know, if somebody in here, you know, if I have a client that's 400 pounds and they hit a 95-pound PR in deadlift and it's the best they've ever done, I'm going to congratulate them and get excited for them. Hey, you just did more than you ever could. Right. You know, that's awesome. Yeah. And I'm going to give them a pat on the back, now let's keep working. Yeah. You in know? fact, and, you know, I've seen painting competitions, and you can appreciate this, where instead of just giving out gold, bronze, silver, they can still do that. Like, this is incredible. This is the best piece of art in the show. But then they'll also give, um, you know, some type of award or recognition for, hey, this is a fantastic piece. There's something special about this one. And that's why I like specialty, like categories. You know, like, um, I guess in a strength sport or bodybuilding, it might be, like, the best poser or it might be the best calves, the best chest. I like those sort of secondary things yeah. too that people can take pride in even if they don't win the whole event you know yeah. but it's still no, real achievement like, it's real achievement i mean even my federation that we have now you sign up for me you get a shirt you win the meet you get money you know so yeah you get something just for yeah, there you go right you know? yeah but you know you you're not, you're not a winner unless you win type of yeah. thing you know so yeah i, I mean I, I love recognizing athletes for doing it for just stepping up there and doing it because you've just done more than most people will ever do. But, you know, there has to be some separation. You know, the, 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 to the top people, you've got to recognize that or there's no reason. I like Phil's point I, about as long as, you know, you're not letting anybody else shrink a little because of the way you're doing it. You know? yes. But like I said, you need to be sensitive to both sides because, yeah, you want the winner to feel special because she is special or he is special. Because yes. uh, usually the winner probably tried a lot harder, you know, they they put in the hours on in most cases, you know. Yeah. So, um, just moving on here. Um, I got a nice email from Michael. He just said, um, "I've been lifting regularly for about ten years. Uh, my wife has really taken to the iron uh, over the last year or two as well." Uh, I played her your short discourse from last week's episode against exercise is simply a means of anti eating, and she thought it was brilliant. I try to focus on how exercise should build the body, not chip away at it. And this comment, I just thought that was a great way to put it, too. Uh, Basically, what I was railing against was this idea that, you know, you're always seeing in the news, oh, if you eat a 700-calorie burger, how long do you have to jog to get rid of that? You know, and it's – although energy balance is a decent beginning, um, it's not the end-all, be-all of this because exercise is to – change you it's not just to drain calories and i worked with a lot of dietitians that look at exercise that way too but even if you take an exercise physiology 101 class you can see that you're building more mitochondrial furnaces to burn fat more muscle tissue which itself is has a you know calorie demand just because you're carrying that muscle uh, in fact i often use the analogy of a muscle car you know you pull up at a stoplight in a big Barracuda or Camaro from the 60s, and you're guzzling gas just sitting there at the light. You know, and that's how powerlifters and bodybuilders are. You have that much muscle mass, and you're guzzling gas. It's uh, Robert Wolf and some others have done the work. It's between 6 and 13 extra calories per pound of lean tissue. So let's imagine you carry 10 pounds of lean tissue that you didn't have, you know, two years ago. 
that's 60 to 130 extra calories a day that you're just burning through, just yeah. sitting there. And so I, I really liked his idea, though. Um, it, he just rephrased in a way, but in a good, a good way, that mm. exercise is about building. Uh, you know, it's about do, you know, do have fun eating, do have fun performing, do have fun challenging yourself against the iron instead of this chip away idea that you get yeah. so much from these, you know, like these Jillian Michaels kind of shows and these, you know, biggest loser events and all that kind of thing. It, it seems so yeah. don't do this, don't do that, shame on you. And I think that's why strength training, even if you include cardio, the whole thing with the body composition or the strength it sort of lends itself a little bit more toward this idea that exercise is changing you for the better in a in a fairly permanent way, uh, not truly permanent. I know there's reversibility here, but compared to like people who count calories and run all the time, let's say. Yeah, I, I really hate the deprivation model of training. It's all about you know you shouldn't, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, you can't take it away, you know, blah blah blah, you know. Uh, I, it just it just beats people up. I, I see so much more from a from a positive aspect in, in, in everything. You you know, I get to do this now. You right. Know. So often I, you've got to focus on do's, not don'ts. Because if you focus on yeah. don't eat carbs, don't eat calories, don't eat fats, people when they do consume something because they're hungry, they feel like a failure and they get guilt. And, and I'll tell you, this brings us to a good point. You're going to love this one, Phil. I saw this on another message board. Um, an exercise science message board, and I just I can't disagree with this any more strongly. This the title of this. Brace yourself, Phil. Mm. Eat like a bird, train like a beast. Okay, <laughs> here we go. Yeah. That's the opposite of my philosophy. Yes, yes. I mean, <laughs> I, I say eat like a beast, train like a beast. You know. Oh yeah. But so the whole point is he's. He's got the education to understand that weight loss is basically calories in minus calories out, you know, and, you know, a pound of fat is 3,500 calories and all that. So he's like, well, if you diet, you'll only have a little change. If you exercise, you only have a little change. So his conclusion is for the maximum amount of weight loss, eat like a bird and train like a beast. And I think my biggest issue with this is nobody's training like a beast if they're truly eating like a bird. Yep. You know, even competition bodybuilders who are getting they, – they get strung out in the last four weeks of a diet. Trust me on this one. And if you're not consuming enough calories and if you drop them too soon, you're, you're not going to train like a beast. I'm sorry. Yes. You know, yeah. the title of that just shocked me. Eat like a bird, oh, yeah. eat like a beast. No, I mean, that's a, you know, kind of the philosophy I work under at my facility with my clients is also just from the very start. Um, it's reworking that mindset because most people come in with a, you know, training is supposed to beat the hell out of me mindset. And yeah, we'll get to that point, you know, but it's, you know, I make them earn their way there. And it's look, so we, we change that mindset to, we're going to start with this. We get to go up when we are on our way there. So you flip it to, you know, you get to do more. Doing more is a good thing, you know, earning our way to be able to do more. Yes, I get to add 20 more pounds on the bar. Yes, I get to do five more reps, you know, type of thing. Instead of most people look at the opposite of, God, you know, doing doing 10 sets of three at 225 and, or three sets of 10 at 225 isn't doing it for me anymore. I got to go up. That sucks. You know, I got to do more. No, I flip it the opposite. That's good. You earned the right to go higher. Listening to you and other experienced strength coaches, I see so many parallels with martial arts because, like in martial arts, a good teacher will have you. Just learn how to stand. 
or yeah. how to hold a sword or whatever it is and just drill this, drill this, and then you get to do something else. You earn the right to do something else. But first, there's some of this groundwork that you might consider boring. Yep. You know, how to balance yourself, how to stand there, how to do this or that before you rush into this other stuff. And like you're saying, then people are like, oh, finally, you know, Coach Stevens is going to let me go up and wait. Exactly. You know. And the Chinese are probably the pinnacle of that in their weightlifting. Uh, you know, it's supposed to be like 18 months. The first 18 months that you're a, an Olympic weightlifter with them, you use just the bar. Ooh. <laughs> Imagine that. Yes. You know? Where you're just drilling, 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 perfect moves with a freaking 45-pound bar. And then, okay, now now you've earned your right to add weight. Yeah. Well, Ooh. And I think maybe that's related to the martial arts thing. I don't want to pigeonhole all Chinese people as <laughs> no. martial artists, but yeah. uh, it, it's the same kind of thing. When I hear somebody, they have a black belt and they've been at something for two years, I'm like, mm, no, you yeah. don't. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or it's like, you, you know, we're all the gurus, you know, that are... You know, they're experts, and they literally, you know, they're too young in physical years to possibly make this claim. You know, you're like, well, yeah. wait, you're only 25. How can, you know, how can you be much yeah. more than intermediate, really? Yeah. Um, you know, just because you've taken drugs and you can squat 700 pounds, that doesn't, that doesn't make you an expert yet, you know. Um, anyway. Um, and here's uh, – this is back to the calorie thing, by the way. Um, this was from our page. Um, somebody brought back up the Twinkie diet, you know, as that professor who tried to prove a point. And the guy said, one of the guys says here, um, I don't get why people do this as if they have a hypothesis to prove. And I think it's a good point. I mean, this guy who ate, you know, extremely restrictive Twinkie diet. You know what, dude? Let's see you do that for the rest of your life. Just saying. Yeah. Because it's not going to happen, you know. If, because if you're going to do the Twinkie diet, it, you're going to be counting calories, you know, big time, you're going to be restricting, yeah. you're not going to be eating lots of those Twinkies, I can promise you. Um, and another guy said, and on top of that whole thing with, you know, he, first of all, this professor was just trying to say, it's just calories in, calories out. Look, I'm proving it with Twinkies. Nobody's saying that the calorie balance isn't a part of it. I mean, eating more calories with the right training stimulus means a bigger you, you know, eating less calories with the right training stimulus means a smaller you. I get that. That's fine. But you know, to try to, I just think it's misleading the way, you know, that this guy was trying to prove that point. And then another guy here, uh, Christopher, says um, they also mentioned better cholesterol levels with this Twinkie diet, improved body mass index, things like that, all because of reduced calorie intake. Then he says, however, body mass index is not a great tool and would list many healthy and strong people as overweight or even obese. Um, and I think you and I know that. We've, I, probably mentioned it on a past episode but i don't consider myself a very big person and my body mass index is 30 right now i mean yeah. and i pay in the past i've paid high risk uh insurance health insurance mm -hmm. and i'm not going to go on about it again because i've done it before but it's a good point you know if all you're looking at is calories in calories out or if you stop at nothing more than body mass index it, it's not body composition is all i'm saying yeah yeah yep. Uh, I've only got one last thing, and I know we're just about out of time uh, this week. Um, this is not related to us. This is Muscle Mag uh, news. Uh, closed its doors. Uh, Rob and I were going back and forth a little because, of course, Fortress worked at Muscle Mag for ages, off and on. You know, and I hope he's not mad at me for saying this, but he had such a love-hate relationship. I mean, Bob uh, Kennedy was like. Uh, 
uncle or a dad or something to him. He'd fire Rob and then hire him back and then let him go and then bring him back. It was just funny. To me, it was. But um, apparently, it says um, all of the Robert Kennedy um, magazines are now more or less gone. Um, They're filing for bankruptcy. And the whole idea is, I mean, this has been around Muscle Mag International since 1974. Uh, So it just feels like an end of an era. I know Lonnie Teeper who has been around the pro bodybuilding ranks for decades, he was making some comments about end of an era, and Rob himself said, you know, that's it's just brutal, and he doesn't think that Bob would have let this happen, because he said Bob was a real wizard at keeping magazines afloat. Um, yeah. You know, and, but he was actually, Rob was saying he's grateful that Bob isn't around to see this, you know, because yeah. Bob passed away not long ago. So Anyway, I, yeah. what I'd like to do, in fact, it might be very cool to get Gino, Johnny Fitness, who worked with Rob for years at Muscle Mag, uh, get him on the show. I bet Gino would come on the show. I, I, he's hilarious. Rob was always sort of imitating his, you know, British accent and, you know, come over here, boy, you know, and just telling him all these stories. And so anyway, maybe we'll do that and just get some behind the scenes at, at what it was like in the magazine business because I'm not sure there's going to be a magazine business to the extent there used to be, not with, like, everything going with e-publication, you know, yeah. Uh, I don't think e readers and all that stuff. I don't think a lot of that online stuff really was taken seriously at first. Um, but with the ubiquity of tablets now, everybody can get stuff just electronically. And you know, why would you pay thirty thousand dollars? Rob and I worked at magazines before, where you know the publisher would take out loans to pay thirty grand to, to do a print run. Well, what if there's nothing to print? You know, so the the web model can be better um i don't know so i'd like to get some comments behind the scenes of that kind of stuff because you know unfortunately losing magazines like that that's how a lot of uh current middle-aged lifters got into the sport or even younger guys i bet you know they pick up a magazine and they oh that guy looks incredible and you know it's and now it's just different it's almost information overload with the internet because instead of having a magazine on the shelf in the grocery store you know there's a a million billion websites and you really don't know where to look. No, no, I mean, it's, it's, geez, I mean, they weren't only Muscle Mag International. They were like 10 or 12 other magazines. Absolutely. Too. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I have a list on here. Uh, this particular one I'm holding my hands is from rxmuscle.com. Um, but yeah, there were definitely other ones. Was it Oxygen, I think, was one? <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah. A couple of different ones there. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of books, too. I mean, they were always publishing books. There was some mention, rumor or something somewhere that, you know, maybe after bankruptcy, some other company will come along and pick up, you know, the title and, and keep it going. Almost the way I think Flex Magazine or the Weeder Magazines went. But that's, in my opinion, that's a bit of a reach. But anyway, that was Friday, June 7th. So that literally yesterday. Muscle Mag International, no more. Not going to be on the shelves in the grocery store. Can't subscribe. All gone for the most part. I, I just got one more announcement, so it's it's kind of big news here for us, um, and it's something I've thought about doing for about five years, and um, you know I've talked to a lot of people about it, and it was just time to pull the trigger, um, and it's you know what we're going to call the annual strength field games, which you know I've looked at other other organizations that do kind of multi what would you call it, multi-discipline sport events, um, and I had a little I have a little disdain. Towards, towards how they ran and this and that and how I'd run them different. And, uh, 
you know, we've talked about, you know, blowing one up and doing it big and this and that. And it was like, well, we just need to get one in. It's time to just pull the trigger and get one in. And so I just planned it. And uh, what it's going to be is two days long. Um, you get four-person teams. So there's a lightweight and heavyweight male, lightweight and heavyweight female on each team. And we compete for two days and ten events, and it's all from existing strength sports. Um, with the inclusion of like track and field short game stuff, um, short events, meaning 100 meter stuff like nothing over 100 meters for a run or sprint, and we go head to head for two days straight. And so it's it's a mixture of powerlifting, Highland Games, strongman, Olympic lifting, um, and track and field events. <clears throat> so there's an equal number of those each day, and uh, you know your teams go head to head. And at the end of it, we'll name the top team and uh, top individual from each category. I love the team <clears throat> thing. I, I just, for years, I thought that's something that's missing from strength sports. If you could get small teams together, it just adds a whole other level of complexity to it. Yeah, it does. It does. And, you know, you have to get this well-rounded group together. That, uh, And, you know, this, this is definitely strength biased. And I've already had a few emails saying, wow, it's heavy. Because most of the events I run, I'm very much into running events where most anybody that's into training can come in and do it. Who's going to do it? Who's going to win is the person that does it faster or goes heavier and stuff like that. This event, you know, I, I look at this as like my, my facility's Olympics. I want, I want big, strong teams to come here. Yeah, you know, well, there's nothing wrong with I that. You don't have to apologize for that, man. I mean, well, yeah, and it's like so, you know, and so I've had some people trying to talk me into lowering some weights on things. Okay, it's like, no, step up, you yeah. know, or don't do it. Um, you don't want to you know, drag this out into an endurance type event, no, you know, or whatever. No, that's not what you know. That's not what I'm usually about, and that's not what this event's about. There is an endurance component. I mean, for God's sakes, you got to do ten events in two days that are very heavy. Yeah, um, and there's there's a couple events like we're doing a. Uh, a yoke walk, duck walk, and keg carry, and it's 40 yards. That's 120 feet. Uh, you know, and me being a heavyweight, I got to carry a 500-pound yoke, a 300-pound keg, and a 225-pound duck walk mm -hmm. for frickin' 360 feet. You right. know? So yeah. It's not that, that that's hard. But uh, well, my question you know, is, I've got a lot of good uh, a lot of good feedback from it, and you know, I know Jim Windler put it up and stuff like that, and I really think it's it's it. You know, it's going to show who is the team that's the most well-rounded. Yeah. Uh, because it, of of across all the strength sports, and the other thing we're doing different than some of the some of the events out there is all the events are held under the existing rules of the current sport. So, like if we're doing a snatch, it's not a wide grip ground overhead where you can press it out and everything. You've got to be able to do an Olympic quality something that would pass in a meet. Yep. and things like yep. that. So, so we're bringing over the the, the rules from the existing sports. Um, I'm not I'm not going to recreate the wheel. You know, those sports the rules are in place. And they have been for a long time. So it's just a high you know, like, It's yeah, yeah. For me, it's going to be a challenge to, uh, you know, we have to do a max clean and jerk. I really need to work on my clean and jerk because I I've never. I mean, I've done it and I coach it a lot, but I've never like trained myself to do it at a high level. So because I've spent my my main sports are Highland Games and powerlifting. So I need to concentrate on that more and stuff like that. But uh, no, it should be good. It, I think it's we've got a lot of good feedback. Um, got some good sponsors already, and uh, <clears throat> you know I'm hoping my big hope this year with sponsors is I can't give away. I can't say we're giving you the winning team two thousand dollars. 
my biggest hope with the sponsors is not giving me money to fund the event. I'm asking them to throw in things for the winning people and the winning team. Right. So I can get a big price. But, you know, I'd love to send people home with a, you know, the, the winning team gets $200 cash. <clears throat> and I'd love to send them home with $800,000 in stuff. Right. You know, that would be awesome. No, I think that's prize support is a great way to go about that. Just get exactly. sponsor prize support. Absolutely. Yep. And that's what we're doing. I'm getting real good feedback from, from all the sponsors for that. And so it sounds like, it sounds like my question is moot then. I was going to say, so my question is, like, is it like Highland Games? Can there be drinking during the day? But it sounds like no. <laughs> well, you can. But, I mean, and that's another thing we're looking into because I want to turn this into a vent. So, I mean, we're, we're looking into bringing food in. And right now it's a question of um, can we get the right licensing to sell beer? Uh, for um, spectators and stuff like that, so I don't, I haven't promised that on the on the event page yet because I'm not sure. I, I don't want to get out there and promise anything and not have it there. Right. Type of yes. Thing. So all that's in the works too. But yeah, we really want to look at this as an event thing. The, the original, the only thing I changed from my original plan. My original plan was because we're doing it here at my facility on my five acres. My original plan was anybody who did the event, the teams also had to stay the night in a tent. <laughs> so you had to actually sleep on ground. Yeah, yep. And and which makes it even tougher because you're coming into day two after sleeping on the freaking dirt. Yep. yep. You know, and having to go at it again. We changed that. You get to stay at a hotel. If you like. Okay. Um, <laughs> so um, no, but it'll be fun. It'll be a good time. It'll be it'll be a great time. And I've already got verbal commitments from, you know, there's some people coming down from Canada. They're putting a team together out in Northern California. You know, that's what I'd love to see. I mean, if anything can blow this up and make it even bigger and bigger every year, it's one thing if I get 15 teams from right around here. It's another thing if we have just the same amount of 15 teams, but it's it's all across the United exactly. States. Exactly. Well, that's what I've always thought about with having sort of like an iron festival or something like that, almost a festival environment with, with a team uh-huh. aspect, prize support. It'd just be a blast. We're, it doesn't take much to get my – we're usually up for training around here, all my people, but it's brought in even some new fire. Into, into training around here and, you know, how we're going about picking teams and stuff like that. It's, it's going to be a good time. The strategy part would just be fun because you got a, oh, yeah. a team to think about, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, it's also, you know, the way it's ran, you got to fit the right people. You know, you need to have people. Like, I don't have to be great at everything as long as I have a teammate that's good at something that. That's right. Type of thing. Yep. You know? Hence the strategy, so, right? I mean, it, like, if you're yeah. a huge deadlifter or, you know, whatever event we're talking about here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but you suck at the others, then you better find somebody who can cover your weaknesses. Exactly. You know. So it's fitting in the right teams. You don't want to build a team where if deadlift's only one event, it's going to do you no good to have four really good deadlifts. That's right. Only one of you guys is, you know, so, yeah, um, yeah so it should be good. Um, because the way we set it up, it's kind of like doing best ball and golf or something. You all four do the event, you take the best score yep. from your team. Yep. That's the one you count. So, I mean, I could, there would be a benefit from, let's say, all four of your people were good deadlifters, and you took four first place. No other team gets first place as well, because somebody else could get first place. Say you took first place in heavyweight men, another team could take first place in lightweight men, another t- team could take first place in lightweight women, some stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you deny other teams from getting a first place as well <clears throat> if you were if you did great if you all did great in one event. So you, you denied them from getting those points. The best they could do is get second place right. points. Even more strategy there, right? Yeah. So there you go. It should be fun. And then, of course, you know, the individual is just going to be scored off of 
the individual scores because everybody does every event. Now wait, when when is this going to happen? Uh, October twelfth and thirteenth. Okay. Wow. So plenty of time, plenty of time out. Um, you know, we're starting to train for it now here, and I'm sure other people are. You know, I've got a quite a good uh, response from it. Can you I'd love post the uh, events on our Facebook page? Yeah, I got it up there. Oh, sweet. Okay. Good. Yeah, it's up there, and I'm going to be. Uh, just look for it. I'll be posting a lot because what I'm going to do to keep it keep it fresh up there is anytime we get more sponsors and stuff like that, I'll post it again, um, so you can see what's being added on and things like that. So it's a fun time, fun time. I'll hell, I'll read off the events real quick. I mean, so people can see that. And if you need to find it, go to www.strengthguild.com and go to the blog. Um, there's a lot of stuff up there. I'm getting articles, several of them up every week, but. Um, it's $100 a team, so it's pretty low, $25 a person. It's not bad. Um, day one is standing long jump is the first event. Then you got max clean and jerk, and then you do a team wrecker pull. So you got to pull a wrecker. Um, and then weight over bar, which is a Highland Games event, and then farmer's walk for distance, uh, whoever can take it the furthest. Um, day two is, ended up being the harder day. So you got heavyweight for distance, uh, Highland Games event and then med ball throw for distance um it's a it's they use it in track and field and like the i know american bobsled team uses it for for testing power output and stuff like that um then there's a carry medley and this is probably the toughest event yoke walk duck walk and keg carry um each of those you got to carry them 120 feet 40 yards um then max deadlift and then a team tug of war double elimination that's a good mix. And that, yeah, and if there's a tie, the tiebreaker is everybody does body weight squats for reps. Not meaning you're squatting your body, meaning you're putting your body weight onto a bar. Yes. Squatting that for reps. Because I've had that question, too. It's like, no, no, it's not just you standing up and down. That'd be a it's, fun event, but I'll tell you, if you did something like that the first day, you'd be crippled the second day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's where, you know, I actually, I, I planned it this way. I wanted to, to pick the events very random. So what did I did is I, I picked four categories. Like I put powerlifting and Olympic lifting together, and then I took all the Highland Games events, all the Strongman events, <clears throat> and then uh, track and field events, and I literally rolled dice is how I figured out what it was going to be. And it ended up pretty good to where the sec- day two is hard and heavy with the yoke and the deadlift and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so it'll be fun. It'll be fun. I mean, it's one thing to hit a max deadlift. It's one thing to hit a max deadlift after you've done eight other strength events. Right so, yeah, you know. you know my my initial thought of this before we wrap up here is, I think women would do really well in an event like this because when you look at we were talking about like tissue enzymes and damage markers uh-huh. and stuff, women are actually more robust against repeated abuse, believe it or not, yeah. uh, than men are. So in day two, you might actually see women come on strong. I'd just be interested yeah. to see this happen, or can the can yeah. the men hold it together without being too rocked from overdoing it the day day one, yep. you know. Yeah, it's going to be fun, and you're going to have to learn to, you know, keep some in reserve, you know, <laughs> it's a long two days, and, you know, I'm going to make a, I'm planning on making an event page on Facebook, and I'm going to have somebody, or at least one, maybe two people dedicated to all their job is going to be for two days, is keep shooting short videos, and post them right up, so they're coming up all day like long. Live, so yeah, yeah. So live action, like, here, shoot a video, bam, post it to Facebook. You know, now we're in the deadlift, man. And they're just shooting videos and posting them all day long. That's awesome. <clears throat> so I just love it yeah, because it, be, it gets yeah. people more involved, you know, with with strength in general, like a well-rounded kind of thing, you know, mm-hmm. 
Because fitness goes so far into left field sometimes that it's almost bizarre. Mm-hmm. And this is something that just, it, it, it makes sense, I think, more to the general population in some ways. Yeah. You know. Well, and also, I mean, my big thing against other things, it, there's so many events now where it's just, anything goes, you know. And it's like, no, why are you going to do that? You know, when when these lifts have been contested for hundreds of years under rules, you know. Right. So, bring, bring in those rules, uh, yeah. Yeah, so you just bring in the rules and, you know, keep everybody to a standard, you know, so... That should be fun. That's all I got. All right. So. All right, everybody. Well, there's a wrap. Remember, next week, Fred Hatfield, we've got some other guests lined up in, uh, in coming weeks, and uh, I guess we'll see you next time. Get a team together and come on out. So. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding. Um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the iradio.org uh, store. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. Hey, IronRadio.org listeners, this is Lonnie Lowry, and I'm just bringing you a sneak peek only for Iron Radio listeners at this point. If you Google CRC Press, Lowry, L-O-W-E-R-Y, and Protein, you can be some of the first people on the planet to see this book. It's specifically for strength athletes, everything on the safety of high-protein diets, the efficacy, the dosing, the types practical applications and case studies. This is a textbook. It's not what I would call an industry book. This is not pseudoscience. This is the state of the art science. And if someone wants to critique you on your extra protein intake, this will be something you could hold up and say, this is what the literature says about stressed kidneys or bone loss or gout or dehydration or increased muscle mass over time or leanness or what types are best. This is the ultimate source in one place. Little disclosure here. I do make a single digit percentage of royalties on this book. It's such a low amount, however. Obviously, I've done it for that purpose. I did it because, like you, I want to have something I can hold up in one place that's modern literature instead of what perhaps a health educator might tell you about the benefits and the potential concerns, if there are any, on ample protein diets specific to a population like ours. Thank you. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.